Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. This happened back in 1994 or 1995, when I was about 16 years old. I was spending the summer at our cabin with my family and a friend from school. We were easily bored, so one evening, we got the brilliant idea to walk to the nearest town. The walk was about 34 kilometers, so we packed some snacks and drinks and set off around midnight. What started as a fun walking adventure was becoming more and more of a struggle as the hours passed by. We thought we'd make the trip within a few hours, well, we were wrong. After about four hours, we get to a long, straight stretch of road. To the left of us is a large lake, and to the right is a steep cliffside. A cold mist rose from the lake. Twenty meters or so in front of us, we noticed a figure walking towards us. This was the first person we'd seen all night, so we looked forward to exchanging a few words with another human and ask how far our destination was. Our spirits were lifted, and we walked towards the person in front of us, clearly a man. The strange thing is, we never seemed to get any closer, and he was walking towards us. We were a bit confused, but ultimately thought the mist was playing some optical tricks on us. Surely we would meet him soon. But then, we stepped out of the mist, and nobody was there. Puzzled, we stopped and looked around. The lake was completely still, not even a ripple, so he hadn't gone into the water. The vertical, mountainous cliff on the other side of the road was impossible to climb unless you had serious equipment. Dumbfounded, we stood there for a little while, anticipating this guy to appear. But he never did. We took a short break, got hydrated, and kept walking. Seven o'clock in the morning, my friend and I were exhausted. We staggered into the town we had set out towards the night before. Our little trip ended up taking seven hours and to add insult to injury, it turned out no buses drove the route to our cabin on Sundays. This was a Sunday. Defeated, we found a payphone and called my father. Moments later, he and my grandpa were on their way to pick us up. The wait was only 30 to 45 minutes, but it felt like an eternity. We were so incredibly glad to see them drive up. My friend and I just got in and sat in the back, half asleep. On the way back, 
my grandpa started telling a story from the early 60s. He said that just up ahead, a young man had crashed his car into a cliff, and the car burst into flames. The next day, a passing motorist found the burnt car and the dead guy several hundred meters away. He had apparently walked while he was on fire, trying to make his way to the lake. My friend and I looked out the car window and saw we were at the exact place where we saw that person in the mist the night before. My grandpa continued to tell us that several people have reported seeing a man walking along that road at night, only to just disappear when they tried to approach him. My friend and I looked at each other. We hadn't mentioned our experience, and we had never heard that story before. To this day, I still get goosebumps driving on that stretch of road. fall asleep right now. I figured I'd share my one and only potentially paranormal encounter. It happened when I was 15, about six or seven years ago, when I finally grew old enough to become a counselor at a summer camp that I had attended annually for most of my childhood. The camp is in Plymouth, Wisconsin. You would imagine that a summer camp as large and old as this one would have its fair share of scary stories and camp legends, but from my experience, that really wasn't the case. Ghost stories around the campfire were of course popular, but there weren't any specifically about that camp itself. That is, except for one commonly accepted notion amongst the staff, Thunderbird Cabin 2 is haunted. See, the camp is separated into a boys' and girls' side, and these sides are further divided into sections, with names like Lakeview, Timber Trail, and of course, Thunderbird. Counselors would rotate through sections throughout the summer. During the particular week of this story, I was stationed in Thunderbird and was assigned with another counselor who we'll call Keegan. We were to watch over the infamous Cabin 2. Stories about Cabin 2 varied. Entities outside of the windows, goatmen, scratching sounds at odd hours of the night, whatever. The diverse and often hyperbolic nature of these stories actually led me to doubt the legitimacy of all of them. It's a much more likely explanation that there was a desire for ghost stories at camp and that someone came up with Thunderbird 2 is haunted, which just happened to stick. No, I still believe this. In fact, I do not believe in ghosts or the paranormal, but I know what I experienced, and any rational explanation I can come up with does not seem fully convincing. Anyways, it goes as follows. This week, I was assigned to watch the youngest group of boys, about six to eight years old. We liked to have everyone in bed early since the young kids can be restless and they needed time to wind down. This particular night, things went smoothly for Keegan and I. We had gotten all of the kids seemingly asleep rather quickly. Being a little older, 
we would stay up and chat or read, and this night was no different. We both sat in Keegan's bunk, sharing a pair of earbuds and watching YouTube videos. It's important now to describe the layout of the cabin in Thunderbird. They were simplistic, rectangular, raised wood cabins. The inner perimeter was lined with bunk beds and houses, about 20 to 30 campers and two counselors. Small, high-set rectangular windows along all sides provided moderate moonlight at night. So we were watching a video and all of the kids were asleep. Dead quiet inside. You could barely hear the crackling of the dwindling campfire outside and the muffled, normal sounds of a Midwest forest at night. That is until something disturbs the peace. The unmistakable sound of something shaking in a sleeping bag breaks the silence. It's clear from the noise and vibrations that one of the campers are basically flailing about in their bunk. Their sleeping bag is rustling. The metal bunk is squeaking. The sound of their body bouncing on the mattress makes a dull thumping. Keegan and I quickly take out the earbuds, pause for a moment to listen to the sound, and turn to each other with a concerned, what the hell, look on our faces. Initially, I'm worried that the camper is having some kind of seizure. And then, on the other side of the cabin, we hear the same noise, the same vibration, only a few seconds after the first camper started to shake. A second one joins in. Then another. And another. Within seven or eight seconds, literally every kid in the cabin is flailing in their sleeping bags. The sound of rustling fabric and straining bed springs is all that you could hear. In the pale moonlight, you could also see the outlines of their bodies bouncing around. The entire cabin is vibrating at this point, and Keegan and I are frozen, wide-eyed, terrified. We each have the same frightened look, and it's clear that neither of us have any idea what's going on or what to do. We sit paralyzed for some period of time while the collective possession around us continues. After 15 or 20 seconds of this, the cacophony stops, like a switch is flipped. All of the campers stop moving and go perfectly still, back to sleeping and undisturbed. Still immobilized with fear, Keegan and I sit still, completely still, not talking or moving. Scared, I'm assuming, that this was simply the beginning of something worse. Unsure whether to run or check on the campers. Minutes go by, both of us looking around, eyes darting to the door or the surrounding bunks, both of us braced for impending doom. I'm not sure how, but at the same time, both of us silently concluded, we should bolt. As fast as we could, we leapt from the bunk and sprinted out the door and into the clearing that accompanies the cabins. The only person still outside is our senior counselor, scrolling through his phone by the fire. He's surprised to see the two counselors of a cabin dash out the way that we did. Panicked, we try to explain what the hell happened. He brushes it off, but agrees to check the cabin out. As you can guess, he doesn't see or hear anything but peaceful, sleeping campers. We reluctantly return to the cabin and get in our beds. Still on high alert, I lay awake for some time, 
braced and waiting for something. But alas, I drift off at some point. Wouldn't you believe it? In the morning, none of the kids claimed to know anything about what happened the previous night. They all claimed to have fallen asleep like any other night, and the phenomenon does not continue any following night. As someone who is wholly skeptical, and as previously stated, does not believe in anything that isn't well-founded or observed scientifically, I struggle to think of what might have caused this. I want to think that it was a prank, but I just don't think that a bunch of young children could coordinate something like this, at least not so well, or even more so retain their innocence in the matter. If anyone has any similar stories, or even has heard of anything that could cause this, I'm all ears. It'll probably be the most confused and scared I'll ever be in my life. The situation was just so bizarre and sudden. I hope I properly conveyed how creepy it was. This happened back in 2015. If I remember correctly, I was 13 at the time. Both my parents worked at an orphanage here in the Philippines. When there are no classes, Saturdays and Sundays, I would go there with them and hang out with my friend Peter. He's also a child of an employee who works there. This orphanage is very old, built around 1770 in the Spanish era, so it is not very uncommon to experience some paranormal things. Most of the employees there have had their fair share of paranormal experiences, this first part is about a paranormal experience my mom had with a kid in white. My mom works in the toddler area of the orphanage, which is said to be a hot spot for paranormal things. She told me one day while tucking the kids to sleep, she lied down, and as soon as she did, a small kid in white lied next to her and whispered gibberish in her ear. At the moment, she said that she couldn't move her body, as if she were paralyzed, and after a few seconds, the kid in white vanished. She got up immediately and scanned the room, which has about 15 kids in there, and all of the kids were asleep. She couldn't find out who that kid was. She said that she was very creeped out at that time, because the room was dimly lit. I asked her what the kid looked like, and she said that he had pale white skin with long yellow thin hair and a long witch-like nose and was small, kind of like a toddler size. But she is certain that whatever it was, was not human. I got goosebumps when she told me the story. She told me that some of the volunteers who worked there have had an encounter with that kid too. There are rumors that years ago, a toddler there was left unsupervised. That toddler left the play area and managed to enter the bath area. This is according to the volunteers who work there. I won't go into details as to what happened, but this child drowned and passed away. The workers said that the person in charge of looking out for this child was fired. 
I don't know if there's a connection between the kid in white and the child who drowned, but I'm creeped out. Some of the volunteers also said that at night, while tucking the toddlers to sleep, they would hear a ball bouncing in the room. I've also heard a story that there is a faceless man inside the storage room, which is also in the toddler's area. The faceless man will appear for a split second once you open the door. One of the volunteers told me and my mom that one afternoon, she was going to get milk inside the storage room, and as soon as she opened the door, she saw a foot as she was looking down, and quickly looked up to see who it was. To her surprise, this person had no face. She immediately yelled, Who are you? And as soon as she does, this thing was gone. She described it to be average height and wearing a blue shirt. Anyways, let me tell you about my own experience. I have two encounters, both within the toddler's area. The first one was my encounter with the faceless man, or so I think. So, it was night, at around 11pm, and I was playing with two of my friends, one of whom was Peter. We were playing with a small inflatable ball that night, and when I got the ball, I threw it down the hallway. When I went to pick it up, I remember as soon as I bent over to do so, I saw a man's foot. I quickly looked up and saw a man. He wasn't looking at me. He was looking at one of the bulletin boards on the walls. I got scared a little bit, but as soon as I blinked, the guy was gone. The reason why I think that this is the same faceless entity is because he was wearing a blue shirt, but I couldn't see his face. My second experience happened in 2015. It was around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and me and my friend Peter decided to go play with Legos in one of the rooms. While in the middle of playing, the doorknob slowly turned, and the door opened. I looked to my friend to see if he noticed, but he didn't, so I just shrugged it off and closed the door. But after a few minutes, it opened again, so I went to take a peek outside and no one was there. In my mind at the time, I thought maybe someone was pranking us. So I just closed the door and continued to play, but just right after I closed it, it opened again. I got scared immediately and decided to just sit on the floor in front of the door so it wouldn't open again. And I remember as soon as I did that, both of my hands and feet started sweating, and I felt really uncomfortable inside that room. My friend doesn't seem to notice, and I just told him that we should probably go. So we left, and that's it. When I was seven years old, I woke up to a blue light coming through the window and hearing a loud hum. I was sleeping in my parents' room and tried to wake up my dad, but he wouldn't wake up. I felt compelled to go outside. I was afraid to do it, but I looked out the window and saw a neighbor friend outside. 
And the next thing I knew, I was beside her. I didn't remember actually walking out. I reached for her and we held hands. I remember her eyes were huge, but neither of us could talk. The last thing I remember was standing in the street as we were holding hands and we were surrounded by a blue light. The next morning, I woke up on my front porch. It was early morning, and I was cold. I tried to go inside, but the door was locked. I had to bang on the door before anyone heard me. Finally, my brother let me in. He couldn't figure out how I was able to get out of the house with the deadbolt still locked. I didn't tell my parents. My mom was abusive and would hit me for any reason. My brother thought I went out to go play before anyone woke up, and I was too freaked out to tell him. After that night, I started to sleepwalk. I would wake up all over the neighborhood with no recollection as to how I got there. One time, my dad heard me leaving the house and stopped me. He was weirded out because I fought him, saying I needed to get home. Another time, my brother heard me leaving the house, and when he asked where I was going, I said home. Those were the only two times anyone heard me sleepwalking. Or was I sleepwalking? After that experience, I started to see spirits. I would also somehow just know things, and it scared people. I told my mom that my grandma died from a heart attack about an hour before we found out. I told my mom's friend that her husband was having a baby with another woman, and a month later, she found out it was true. I work as a psychic medium now. My specialty is tapping into when people are sick with a major illness. I can also forcibly remove bad spirits from places, such as demons. My three daughters all inherited my psychic abilities. One of them even manages a metaphysical shop, and another works in mental health. She intuitively knows what cocktail of medications will work on someone who has tried many other medications before. I don't know if I'm a human hybrid if aliens activated my psychic sense, or what. I still disappear sometimes. My spouse says that occasionally they will wake up and can't find me anywhere. My keys, phone, and car are here, and the inside of the house is locked. We now know when it's going to happen because we have increased spirit activity in our home. Things flying off the shelves, moving around, noises, etc. Honestly, I am very anxious to share this. I'm shaking as I type it. Only my close family knows about this. My mom said I never cried as a baby. That they had to put me on a feeding and changing schedule because I wouldn't cry unless I was physically hurt. I talked and walked early. I potty trained myself. I was able to read before I started kindergarten, and she assumes I taught myself because she did not. She also said I was a weird kid. She said I would speak to adults like I was one myself, and that, 
coupled with the insights I would give them, creeped her out. She was physically abusive, but worse was her verbal and emotional abuse. I left home when I was 16 and never returned. continue to look for colors in the dark, but have had very little success other than those first few attempts. So I switched gears last night and started experimenting with a different technique. I would sit in a position that was comfortable enough for me to fall asleep, but not enough to where I could do it for a long time. What I wanted to do was fall asleep, but then naturally wake up soon after due to discomfort. This actually worked, and it allowed me to fall asleep multiple times last night. What I was trying to do was become more familiar with the state that occurs between waking and sleeping and see if I could catch a glimpse of it. After doing this for four or five times, I found myself staring at a green fairy. I swear my intent had nothing to do with finding fairies last night, but there it was, floating in mid-air. Anyway, it wasn't a traditional-looking fairy. It wasn't feminine, wispy, or angelic. It didn't have these curvy lines or bright colors or even a sly smile. It appeared to be male, green, and a fairy. Those three distinct words popped into my mind when I saw it. It had a human-like body and wore a green outfit. The outfit was similar to a military uniform, but it was made of corduroy. I say this because it had vertical lines going down the length of the outfit, and it made me think of that material. The head had no facial features whatsoever. It was circular with a box-shaped appendage in the front. It also had an antenna sticking out of the top of the box. It had shoulder-length hair, that was styled in a frizzy perm, which I also thought was odd, since it claimed to be male. Maybe it was an 80s rock band fairy. It also had white translucent wings that appeared to be cookie-cuttered from a make-your-own-fairy kit. It was pretty bizarre, and you know, the more I write about it, the more alien I remember its appearance being. It's like some presence threw a bunch of parts together and tried to pretend that it was some kind of fairy. I don't know why it needed to convince me of this. I tried to interact with it, but it wouldn't move or acknowledge me in any way. The visual was quite large, as it took up about 60% of my visual field. It lasted maybe 10 to 15 seconds, and then it disappeared. I woke up and wrote down what I saw. It was such a fleeting thing that I didn't make too much of it at the time, but that opinion changed as my night progressed. I had a minor success, so I decided to quit and lay down in a normal position and go to sleep, but for real this time. At some point in the night, I found myself chasing after my daughter in some dream. She had stolen something trivial, like a granola bar, and I was trying to get it back. It was a ridiculous scenario, 
and I started to realize that it was a dream. Normally, this would give me lucidity and control of the dream, but something different happened. The dream started to reduce in size, and I could see the room that I was sleeping in. The dream became a window that faded slightly and moved to the top right corner of my vision, like that picture-in-picture feature that some TVs had. I was able to see both the dream being played out and the room that I was sleeping in. Then out of nowhere, I felt a hand grab my left shoulder. I think at that moment, my mind split, because conflicting thoughts started running through me. On one hand, I was completely terrified, but on the other, I wanted to see where this would go. So, I stayed still and waited. The hand let go, and it was replaced by a feeling of somebody's body standing very close to me on my right side. I tried to wait this out, but I guess the terror was too much because I screamed, Go to sleep! The feeling immediately disappeared. However, I have no idea why I said this. I was scared, but I don't remember thinking that I should have said this. To be honest, I can't even be sure I was the one who said it. The words just came out of somewhere and were screamed very loudly. The phrase itself doesn't even make a whole lot of sense to me. Why would I say that? Maybe I was trying to change dreams? I'm not sure. On its own, the fairy didn't feel all that important. But the two experiences together make me think this was of some significance. I'm going to keep at this technique and see if anything else occurs. In 2013, I went to South Carolina with my boyfriend at the time to visit his foster parents, who mostly raised him. His foster parents are Southern Baptist and were not comfortable with us staying together on their property because we were not married. We decided to rent a site at a place nearby called Carolina Adventure World in Winsboro, South Carolina. That week consisted of the most torrential rainstorm they had seen in that area in years. The area is called the Piedmont, as it was formed of foothills. Before this property was Carolina Adventure World, it used to be a hotel where soldiers stayed and found comfort in women. Now it is a place where people can partake in mud runs, all-terrain disc golf, four-wheeling, etc., a couple nights into our stay, my boyfriend and I were hanging out in the covered common area and playing cards when we saw a group of people that worked there walking around the property. As they approached us, we asked them what they were up to, and they told us that they had downloaded EMF detectors on their phones and were cruising around looking for activity. There had been so much paranormal activity discussed between people who had spent time working there, so they wanted to have some fun with it. We thought it would be interesting to join them, so we started walking around the property, and we had some first-hand stories shared with us. 
A man who worked at the entrance of the park pointed to a little building like a large booth. It used to be the old entrance and was now towards the interior of the park. There were a couple of pinball machines in there that my partner and I had used earlier on in the trip. The man who worked there told us a few stories about his time there, and one of them was while he was working at that old entrance booth. Late one night during a storm, a man walked up to the window wearing a trench coat and a cowboy hat. He asked for a woman in French. The man working the booth said, This is a motocross park now, not a brothel. When the man speaking French was told that the hotel was gone, he walked off into the rain. So the man working there grabbed an umbrella and stepped out to give him a ride in his golf cart. But the man in the trench coat was gone. As we are hearing this story, we're down by a little pond and I look up towards the old entrance booth. That's when I see a man through the window, standing at a pinball machine. He was wearing a trench coat and a cowboy hat. I tell everyone to look and ask, Who is that? Is someone missing from the group? We counted. All eight of us were there. And we all see the man in the booth. Then suddenly, perhaps just like before, he was just gone. Apparently, throughout the years there have also been many phone calls to that booth where there would be heavy breathing on the other end or just silence. I don't know how valid or relevant any of the other stories pertaining to the park are, but I was there that night. I saw the man in the building, and so did everyone else. This took place between my junior and senior years of college. My friend Dave inherited a house near the college campus, so we decided to live there together. Between working and going to school, Dave and I spent very little time in the house. It was a few months in, and things started to get weird. It started with little things that could be explained, such as me forgetting to close a cabinet, or maybe Dave reorganized the silverware. Stuff like that. One night I was sitting in my bed listening to music and doing my homework, when all of a sudden, the room got unbearably cold. So I checked to see if I left the window open in my room, but it was closed. It was at that moment my bedroom door abruptly slammed shut for no reason, and just like that, the room was no longer cold. At first, I thought one of Dave's buddies had snuck into the house to freak me out, and I would hear about it in the morning, but nobody confessed. Fast forward a month, and I had forgotten about the incident. Dave was working a night shift, and I was coming home from working earlier that day. As I checked the unlocked door to the house, I was met with a scene that I cannot explain. Every door, cabinet, and drawer were all open, except for my bedroom door, which was shut. It was at that moment that I had packed all the essentials and left to spend the night at my girlfriend's house. The next morning, Dave called me to ask me what happened to the house. I told him that I will never step foot in that house alone again. Fast forward a few months, Dave has sold the house and the story ends. 
whatever was in that house, I got the sense that you did not welcome me. I will never return. This actually kind of reminds me of how I used to prank my brother by swapping his top and bottom dresser drawers until I noticed that it was actually disturbing him. And I wasn't doing it out of like malice or anything. I was like 14, 13 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I realized I was gaslighting him and I didn't want to further disturb his mental problems because he was like seven or eight. He's like, Mom, did you move my underwear? That's pretty good, though. I like that. Yeah, it, was, it was a harmless prank, but yeah, that's what it reminded me of. But it doesn't seem like that's what happened in this story, but it did. It reminded me of that. Good times. Good yeah, times. I think that ghosts like these maybe are just spirits that are stuck in some weird earthly purgatory. They have a bunch Doing of... Doing some tricks, right? Mm-hmm. Tricks up their sleeve, their ghost sleeves. Yeah, they just have a ton of like chaotic, neutral energy. Mm-hmm. I think that if I were one of these ghosts, these prankster ghosts, I would, here's what I would do. I would remove the lids to everything in the house. Toothpaste, beers in the refrigerator, Tupperware, anything in the fridge, basically. Uh, Nothing would be sealed. Um, All of the lids would be missing. Additionally, I would remove all the laces from their shoes. Ooh, evil. Yeah, and then I would delete all their saved passwords on their streaming accounts. (gasps) <gasps> I know I'm an asshole, but these Just are all delete things. Those cookies. Yeah, these are all things that have been happening to me recently. I'm forgetting to put lids on things. My dog ate the laces off of all my shoes, and for some reason, all my streaming accounts have been logged out, and I've had to remember all my passwords. Oh, uh, I think it's probably has something to do with the moving and the new internet. But it, all these things have happened to me, and I'm just blaming it on ghosts just these mischievous ghosts so uh what would you do you seem like a mischievous little ghost (laughs) well maybe i am (laughs) i actually the first thing that i thought of when you were saying what you would do as a ghost yeah i this is going to be evil as well but (laughs) i would take toilet paper out of people's hands right before they make contact and they're wiping (laughs) every single time just making i don't know i don't know what purpose that would serve but uh, maybe sneak on some airplanes. You know how the whole, like, would you rather fly or be invisible? I'd be invisible oh, all yeah, day, every day. Of course. For sure. So much more For fun. Sure. Flying, yeah. everyone's going to see you doing it. And you're going to become a spectacle. And it's going to be one of that typical, like, thing that you see in a movie where if somebody finds out about your special abilities, they're going to exploit it. You know, you're yeah. going to be a circus yeah. freak. It's like winning the lottery, too. Nobody actually wants to be known as the person exactly. who won the lottery. If I won the lottery, I would disappear. I wouldn't even have friends anymore. I would just disappear. Hey. It's the only It's the only way. But, but Andrew. No, it's the only way. You just have to disappear. You can't, you can't yeah. have any friends yeah. when you win yeah. the lottery. No, no, I understand. Not because understand. they're going to be asking for money, just because. Right, right. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've always been super self-conscious about deceased family members watching me. And this probably comes from a religious upbringing. I just always assumed they were watching me from heaven or their ghosts were like supervising me and keeping me in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking after one of the recent episodes where we talked about the disappearing object phenomenon where like your keys or something would go missing. Maybe that's deceased family members just fucking with me because I did some bad shit when I was alone. <laughs> like they're keeping me in check. I don't know. That's just a thought that I had. I've always thought that they were watching me and it made me feel very self-conscious about doing anything alone. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't do because I'm afraid that <laughs> exactly. my relatives are watching me, but I do it anyway. 
it has actually kept me in check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the better, I'm sure. So the reason why I was crying earlier was yeah. I, this means the podcast would cease to exist if you won the lottery. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I don't play the lottery. But if I oh, did, there you go. if I did play the lottery, no, we would keep the podcast going. We would just have a, like, we'd have a podcast studio and we'd be one of those podcasts. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was easy. High YouTube. production value. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I don't even know how they do that. It's insane to me. Money. Yeah, exactly. I could, yeah, the, the, the lottery. <laughs> they're, they're lottery winners. That's their secret. Yeah. <laughs> so back to like the whole chaotic neutral thing as well. Where would you align yourself? Would you consider yourself lawful, good, chaotic, evil? Like, you know, that whole thing? Yeah. Chaotic, neutral. For sure. Same here. I got some vigilanteism in me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I have moments where I just let loose and uh, can't control myself, honestly. It's a vigilante thing. I can't control myself. Mm -hmm. I want to right the wrongs. Or I also have like, I do have anger issues that I've dealt with my whole life. And that plays into the chaotic, but also the good because it's anger that comes from wanting things to be right. You know what right, I mean? exactly, exactly. I'm sure at the end of the day, we'd both be chaotic good. Like, neither of us are against breaking the traditional rules that society places on us. Or I wouldn't even say society, but the law books for that matter, mm-hmm. if it aligns with our own moral compasses. Yeah, and I think that my dead family members that are watching me would be okay with it, too. That's all that counts, right? Weirdo. Thank you all so much for the overwhelming response with the whole sticker call to action. Mm -hmm. We got more submissions than I even expected. I knew that would happen. I knew it. I know, I know. I got in over my head with that one. And not really so much initially because I said 10, the first 10 people. But everybody was just so nice with their messages. And, hi, did I make the cut? Did I do it in time? And I just don't have the heart to tell people, no, sorry, better luck next time, sucker. So I'm going to send out everything that we have left and I'm going to order some more, give out everything that we currently have and just price the rest to sell to break even basically. And yeah, thank you all so much. Yeah, everyone. Thank you so much for all of the positive response and uh, the, the reviews and everything. We appreciate every single one of you. Absolutely. We sincerely appreciate it. Anyways, thanks for listening. This week you have heard The Longest Walk by Sour Cream King. An unexplained experience I had counseling at summer camp by goddamn Kami. Orange in the Philippines by Cricket. Alien abductions my whole life by Sibylia. A green fairy appeared by the sun and the shadow. Carolina Adventure World by Liberty Lou 13. And finally, creepy story from my father by a listener that asked to remain anonymous. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you got a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com so we can check it out and feature it on the show. If you want to get access to the ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to support our show today. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts, Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast and the Old Time Radio Cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.